In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. So he knows, he shows, he opposes. He is willing to confront false teachings. And there are so many out there today. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. From Men in the Arena, it's Equipping Men in 10. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos. This is Equipping Men in 10. Today I'm here with Dale Culver, our producer, and going over the 16th quality of the full-capacity man, the teacher. So, Dale, do you have a man word for me today? I do. And my man word is sensei. Sensei. Yeah. Sensei is the teacher of the Padawan, right? Actually, (laughs) no, that's not true. (laughs) Well, different different movies. Hold on. Yeah, one's Japanese and one's a Star Wars. Yeah, but still, yeah, still. How just, is how is huh? If you're a techie nerd, then it would all just blend, right? No, I would just go with it. Okay, just, just fill it. Go with so it. So the sensei. Yeah, I've I've shared that. We, you and I have joked about this. I know that. Years. I'm just saying Star Wars, you threw me off because it's not called a sensei. I always make you think. That's deeper. the Jedi Knight and the Padawan. That's right, but. Uh, we're well, going. what's the sensei's protege called? Have you Googled it? You should probably Google that. Anyway, go ahead. I'll yeah. let you play your thing out. You Google that stuff. I'm talking. Now, sensei, uh, I, since we've been doing ministry together for years, you have been that sensei to me, teaching me uh, the way um, how, in life and in ministry and ministry to men, ministry to youth, and all that stuff. And so it's, it's important for us uh, to have a sensei. Uh, to be a sensei as well. So, um, you know, there's young people in my life that I've poured myself into, and then you look at them as they get older, and then you become fellow senseis as you're training the next group of people. It's pretty awesome to watch. Yeah. When you stick around long enough, you get a chance to see that. So that's my word. Well, I like that. I think that we should all have a Timothy. Yep. We should all have a Paul. We should all have a Barnabas. Right. We talked about that on the podcast with Rich Gorecki that we should have those various relationships. So that's really good, man. Well, this week's uh, episode is on the teacher, and this comes out of 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. An overseer then must be able to teach. That is a very confusing statement. So Titus 1, 7, and 9 says this, that the overseer must hold fast to the faithful word 
which is in accordance with the teachings, so that he will be able to both exhort in sound doctrine and refute those who contradict. And then in 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, it says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. So that so that phrase there, accurately, that phrase literally means in the Greek to cut it straight. It talks about a carpenter cutting it straight. It refers to a potential a, a, a guy cutting wood, cutting it straight. And it's so important that we as men understand the Bible accurately. You know, I, I have a habit where I, uh, when I go to a restaurant, I will ask the server their name and then how I can pray for them. I get various responses from people. But one time I was, uh, we had a men's vet at our church, and about seven of us went to lunch, and this waitress came over. Her name was Kim. And I said, hey, Kim, uh, you know, here's who I am, and you know, I want to pray for you. Is there anything I need to pray for you? And she said, oh, my gosh, she got super excited. Pray for my faith. Now, realize, when I ask them to, about the prayer request, I do that before the meal is served, because a lot of times the person who brings the meal is not the server. So I asked her, and she said, oh, pray for my faith. Please pray for my faith. And she was kind of behind me when I'd asked her, so I was kind of leaning back up at her behind me. Well, I turned back around after she told me to pray for her faith, and my buddies go, hey, man, look. And I looked, and she had her head bowed and her eyes closed. She's like, want me to pray now. <laughs> so I did. I prayed over Well, she began to tell us her story where she was uh, grew up as a Jehovah Witness, very, very strict Jehovah Witness, and then she was in a hotel one night and found a Bible and started reading that Gideon's Bible in a hotel and realized this is different than my Bible. Mm-hmm. And so she began to compare her Bible with that Bible, and she realized that her Bible, after a lot of research, was not an accurate Bible translation, but it was purposely augmented by cult leaders, right? So because of this, she gave her life to Jesus. And a couple months later, she led her husband to Jesus, and she was saying, pray for my faith because I've been ostracized by my Jehovah Witness church because I now am a true follower of Jesus. Mm. But what happened there was she learned to handle the Word of God accurately. Mm -hmm. And we as men have the awesome and terrible responsibility to handle the Word of God accurately for our children. This is why I get weird when guys say I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church and I don't take my family with me. I, we just don't go to church, but we're Christians. I go, how can you read the Bible and not understand what it's saying here? Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you pass over that? You know what I'm saying? And so it's just weird to me. So our responsibility is to know the Bible and to know it better than even our families. We're the leader, we're the teacher. So I want to talk about superpowers real quick because... There are a lot of guys out there who interpret this as, well, I, I'm not a good Bible teacher. I don't have the gift, so I can't be at full capacity, or I can't be a spiritual leader. Well, many, many years ago now, I decided to learn how to play guitar. And I practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced. And then one night, our church had a volunteer appreciation banquet where I had 300 people came to this deal, and we decided as a staff to do a talent show. Well... All of the people on our staff were musicians. So they're like, well, I'm going to do this and this. And our pastor was a magician. So they had all these great talents. I'm thinking to myself, well, I can shoot things. I can hit things. I can lift things. 
I have no talent that a person at church would appreciate. <laughs> I, I was like, I don't know what to do here. So I decided I was going to play a song that one of my youth group students had written, and I was going to sing it, because I've got a pretty good singing voice. So I practiced, 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 practiced. Man, I had this thing down. So we're having dinner before the my solo, and the more I talked about it, the more nervous I got. And apparently, you can lose your voice, you get so nervous. So mm-hmm. I started losing my voice, which was the only thing I had going for me. <laughs> so I got up there. I couldn't play the guitar. I had no voice. It was the worst song you'd ever heard in your life. And when I got done, there was no applause. It was the most awkward, like, Hollywood silence. Like, it was like the movies. And I realized I don't have that superpower. <laughs> I actually stopped playing the guitar, and I, I said, this is not my superpower. Yeah. So I, I put it down. We've had a, a dear friend of ours on the show, Rick Robinson, who is a phenomenal businessman, who's a tremendous giver. Uh, he led a Sunday school class one year. He spent all. He had tons of resources spent. He spent his resources to promote the class. Nobody showed up, not one person. Wow. He decided that's not my superpower. Mm. So when we talk about this ability to teach, there are some amazing men out there who say, hey, I can't teach. Therefore, I can't be at full capacity. Therefore, I can't be a spiritual leader. And I want to say two things. That The first thing is this. God can do whatever God wants to do. Mm-hmm. I dropped every class in college that required an oral presentation. And then when God got a hold of my life, the first thing he did was call me to public speaking. So God is going to do what God is going to do. The second thing is this: the word here for able to teach is the word didacticon. And that word has not has less to do with being skilled in oration as it does to understand and be able to present the gospel clearly. In fact, it's really interesting. If you look at the placement of this word in this list of qualifications, John MacArthur writes this. He says, some, of, some may wonder why Paul includes this qualification in the midst of the list of moral qualities. He does so because effective teaching is woven into the moral character of the teacher. A man cannot be divorced from what he says. So what you do cannot be divorced from what you say. But I'll tell you this, this ability to teach is really unique. Out of all the 20 qualifications that that are in this book I wrote, The Full Capacity Man, that's coming out in June, this one is unique because it is the only quality that relates specifically to a man's talents and function. All the others are character issues. This one is a giftedness and talent component. So a lot of guys may say, man, I can't play the guitar. I'm out. I can't preach. I'm out. But that's not what this says. The talent is not in your ability to be a great public speaker. It's much deeper than that. It's the having the ability to communicate your character and why you believe in what you believe in. It means this. Gene Getz says, able to teach means we must learn how to communicate with others in a non-threatening and non-defensive manner. Man, we live in a society today where if you communicate too aggressively, people don't feel safe, or people will mm-hmm. put a lawsuit on you, or people will cancel you. So the, the secret for a man who has the ability to teach is to communicate the gospel in a clear 
non-threatening way that people will receive, whether it is the barista in the coffee shop, whether it is the waitress who is serving your table, whether it is the flight attendant on your flight, whatever it is, it's having an ability, and it really has less to do with public speaking than it does with communicating the gospel in a way that is appropriate. You know, Peter said, uh, be prepared in season and out of season, this is 1 Peter 3.15, to give a defense for the hope that lives within you. And so we, we, we can do that, but he also continues, says, but season it with salt. So we've got to know the flavor, how we're going to flavor it. Just like Jesus told Peter, you will fish for men. Well, when you fish, you throw various lures. You've got to know what lure to throw for the fish you're fishing. It's the same thing with this ability to teach. It's saying, hey, here is the gospel, but now you must communicate it clearly, decisively, accurately, and in a non-threatening way. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So when I think of cutting the Bible straight, when I think of communicating or teaching the gospel, I think of a guy who can do three things. So these three things, guys, are so important. The first one is he knows. In other words, he has a masterful understanding of the Bible. He knows it better than most. He knows it better than anyone in his family. His excellent working knowledge of the Bible overflows into everything he does. He can't help it. For example, we had a guy recently on the forum confess that he was a homosexual, but he'd been celibate for most of his adult life. Okay, so everybody was going in there going, hey, man, welcome to the forum. You know, And I went in there and I said, hey, bro, um, homosexuality in the Bible is never a noun, ever. There's no one in the Bible ever described as a homosexual. It's not there. It is an action. It is an act. Just like you can never find anyone in the Bible who is addressed as an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. These are sins people practice. And so I was trying to share with this Christian man, you are not a homosexual. You may have same-sex attraction, but because you don't act on it, you are not a homosexual. You are a man who has same-sex attraction, but your identity is not wrapped up in your sexuality. It's wrapped up in Jesus. Does that make sense? Right. So I was able to communicate that clearly to him because he clearly had had an, a wrong understanding of the Bible. And so my job, I felt called to, was to say, hey, so this is, don't label yourself this way. It's not true. God doesn't see you as that. So he knows we need to know the Word of God. The next thing is not only does he know, but he shows. In other words, he has hidden God's Word in his heart, but not for long. He must share God's truth with others, and he does so whenever possible, whether that is in a formal church setting or whether that is with a grocery store clerk. The Word of God does not remain silent or hidden in him. He is compelled to share it. So he knows it, he shows it, and the last one is he opposes. So he knows, he shows, he opposes. He is willing to confront false teachings, and there are so many out there today. We're constantly having to recorrect and redirect guys that think it's okay to sleep with and ha live with their girlfriends before marriage. Constantly doing that. I feel like I'm constantly having to speak against drunkenness. I'm constantly having to explain why I think smoking marijuana for pleasure is a sin. 
according to the Bible. You know, they're, they're, you're constantly having to redirect. So it's really important that, that critical race theory now, I am opposing that theory because there are certain things in the teaching that are anti-biblical, and we have to oppose it. Instead of us as nice, compassionate Christians saying, oh yes, we've wronged this people group or that, that's not what we're talking about. We're saying, what does the Bible say about favoritism? What does the Bible say about these things? And what is this view? And what does it mean? And why does it oppose Christianity biblically? And so we're constantly having to oppose. And I don't. And when I say oppose, Dale, I don't mean aggressively, vehemently, angrily opposing. I go back to this word didacticon, which is having the ability to teach and communicate clearly in a non-threatening way. So it's finding ways to communicate with people that they will receive. That really is a gifted teacher. Mm -hmm. That is a gifted teacher. So guys, I hope this helps you to understand didacticon and what it means to teach and that you could live at full capacity, even though you may not be a great preacher, you can still be a full capacity man in this area. So Dale, what's next, man? Drive us home. Men, head on over to our website at meninarena.org and grab your free electronic version of Jim's book, Tell Them What Great Fathers Tell Their Sons and Daughters. Also, while you're there, click the Join Our Program button and get on a virtual team. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor, hear the deafening roar of the crowd, taste the sweetness of victory, smell the stench of battle, get in the game, get dirty, grind it out, and be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.